0: Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Support for Israel's aggressive actions against Hamas are growing thin. Protests are cropping up on college campuses and public spaces in support of Palestine while the United States continues its official support of Israel. Many Native American observers are expressing solidarity with Palestine's resistance to colonial oppression. We'll take on the difficult discussion about the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas coming up after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. In California, hundreds gathered at the state capitol for the dedication of a Miwok leader statue to replace the one of Catholic missionary Junipero Serra. Christina Onestead has more.
2: Tribes indigenous to the Sacramento area, including Pomo and Miwok, gathered with California state lawmakers to unveil the new statue at Capitol Park of Miwok leader, William Bill Franklin. Jesus Tarango is a tribal chair of Wilton
0: Rancheria. It is an important step in telling an honest account of what happened on this land. As you have heard, the man portrayed in this statue is a Miwok Anishinan leader, William Bill Franklin. His life epitomized the strength, honor, and commitment of California Indian people. This statue isn't meant to just honor Grandpa Bill. Because every tribe across this state has their own Bill Franklin, a leader who fought to keep our cultures and traditions alive. The
2: statue replaces the one of Junipero Serra, the Catholic missionary who established the racist mission system, which enslaved and indoctrinated Native Americans in California, a form of genocide. Again, Tarango.
0: On July 4th, 2020, during the Black Lives Matter protests following the murder of George Floyd, the Father Junipeda Serra statue that stood here since 1967 was toppled.
2: The state's only Native American lawmaker, James Ramos, then introduced legislation to replace the statue. It passed, and Governor Newsom signed it into law 1 year ago. Ramos commemorated the statue's unveiling.
0: Our people survived against great odds to be able to be here today, showing the resiliency of California's first people. That's why
1: we're here today, to be able to unveil this monument.
2: Christina Onested, National Native News.
1: The Native American Development Council in Montana is hosting events for Native American Heritage Month. Yellowstone Public Radio's Orlinda Worthington attended a recent event in Billings and has this report. On a chilly Montana morning, six Native Americans carrying tribal flags ran two miles to the Eagle Seeker Community Center in the middle of Billings. They came from each of the four directions. Tally Monto with the Native American Development Corporation shares the significance.
3: We believe that the four directions, it ties back to our creation story and how there were four brothers. carries all our prayers coming from those four directions and then it helps tie us to creator and the environment and the world surrounding us.
1: 16-year-old Abilee Runzebuff came from the east, representing the Northern Cheyenne, Grovant, Sioux, and Cree tribes.
4: It was really a powerful experience, and throughout the Running, I was praying and wishing good thoughts for
1: the new year, for like what I want to see come out of everybody. NADC has events planned throughout November with the goal of bringing the diverse tribes in the state and non-Native Americans together.
3: We just wanna celebrate who we are and express how proud we are as a people and really invite the outside community in and get this little glimpse and share our culture.
1: Leonard Smith is the CEO of the organization He, too, feels the National Month of Recognition is an opportunity to find common ground among different cultures.
5: For me, it means
2: unity among our tribes and having pride in in our past and then use it for the future of all of us.
1: In Billings, I'm Orlinda Worthington. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
0: NATIONAL NATIVE NEWS IS PRODUCED BY KUWANAK BROADCAST CORPORATION, WITH FUNDING BY THE CORPORATION FOR PUBLIC BROADCASTING.
5: SUPPORT BY DRUMMOND Woodsum, A FULL-SERVICE LAW FIRM WHOSE NATIONALLY RECOGNIZED TRIBAL NATIONS' PRACTICE PROVIDES SERVICES TO TRIBAL NATIONS AND THEIR ENTERPRISES, AND TO COMPANIES THAT DO BUSINESS WITH TRIBES ACROSS THE COUNTRY. MORE AT DWMLAW.COM FRYBREAD, THAT'S THE MESSAGE. Support by Val's Frybread, providing her famous fry bread mixes and other products in wholesale and retail quantities at ValsFryBread.com. Fry bread that will take you home, available wherever you live.
6: Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.
0: This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. There's growing international criticism over the extent of Israel's reaction to the attack by Hamas in October. A handful of Central and South American countries cut diplomatic ties to Israel, calling its unrelenting military offensive in Gaza disproportionate and aggressive. A United Nations human rights expert warned of the potential for ethnic cleansing by Israel, calling for a ceasefire. Native Americans are among those joining protests against Israel's actions, which include bombing civilians and refugee camps, despite Israel's official stance that they are targeting only Hamas military targets. Some Native Americans also identify with the plight of Palestinians in the decades-long occupation and forced taking of their land. Today we get perspectives on the news and images coming from Gaza and Israel that are disturbing no matter which side you're on. We welcome you to the conversation. If you have insights or questions you'd like to share on air, call our Albuquerque studio at 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us now from the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation is Chase Iron Eyes. He's an activist, an attorney, a politician, and the director of the Lakota People's Law Project and co-founder of Last Real Indians. He's Oglala Lakota. Hello, Chase. Welcome back to NAC.
6: Good morning. Good afternoon.
0: Speaking with us from Washington, D.C. is Nick Tilson. He's the president and CEO of the Indian Collective. He's Oglala Lakota. Nick, welcome back to Native America Calling as well. I'll but do to watch day. Thank you for having me on. Joining us from Toronto in Ontario, Canada, is Riley Yesno. She's an Anishinaabe writer and commentator from the Abmatung First Nation. Riley, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. And speaking with us also in Washington, D.C., is Dr. Boaz Atsili. He's an associate professor at the School of International Service at American University. Boaz, welcome to Native America Calling. Thank you. Nick, I want to go ahead, or I'm sorry, actually, Chase. Chase, I want want to go ahead and start with you today. And uh, please begin with, where do you draw connections between what's occurring in Gaza and tribal nations here in the U.S.?
6: We're both facing uh, colonial projects, I would say. There's been a lot of uh, fighting over the battle to control the narrative. There's a lot of consequences that are happening that we see, you know, Rashida Tlaib, the congresswoman from Michigan, being censored. Um, All of the anti-boycott, divest, and sanction laws that are on the books, meaning that the 37 states in the United States are penalizing people who advocate for the boycotting, divestment, and sanctions of the state of Israel and of the global Zionist economic Impact much the same way that after No Dapple, after the Standing with Standing Rock, about 37 states passed laws criminalizing protest and the, the exercise of constitutional rights. So there's, I'll be very quick and brief in, in my segment here, in that we are, you know, I've faced a lot of backlash personally from calling Palestinian people indigenous. So I have a lot of Jewish friends, Zionist friends. Uh, Israel, some Israeli friends, but not not a lot. Um, and and I was criticized for calling, for creating those parallels, for calling Palestinians indigenous, because Jewish people also claim indigeneity to that region going back 2,000 years, 3,000 years, maybe, maybe even longer. Mm-hmm. And so they, they say, not, and now... Um, not only are they pushing the same narratives, uh, they believe in sort of a manifest destiny in the way that American the the American settler colony um, has pushed that uh, mythology on the American people and on on us, on native people. And so the, the, there's there's parallels to be drawn. That's for sure. Uh, there is unprecedented, violence that is being seen every single day across our country and in any country on the reservation. We've never seen the level of violence and horrific, unimaginable atrocities that are calling people into action. And so we have to turn that into power and political action to demand a ceasefire. Right, President Biden just this morning said that that there's no chance of a ceasefire, but we can change the way that geopolitics are played out from within this country and from within the reservation.
0: Certainly an extremely, extremely polarizing issue, Chase. And uh, your public support for Palestine, are you getting pushback on that?
6: Absolutely, yeah. I've lost, uh, I mean, throughout the years. I I was not like, I didn't know about the Palestinian-Israeli, conflict in and, and uh, the, the, the dynamic um, I was I was uh, offered uh, other opportunities that were stemming from Israeli's Israeli development and, and Zionist development I didn't even know what those things meant at the time but I was looking to get Indian people out of poverty and so you know there, the, these things have consequences when we stand up for Palestine There are consequences to be faced, including um, some of my advocacy for Leonard Peltier. I I received pushback from the Zionist community in my messaging when I used the word apartheid to describe what is happening in Israel-Palestine. But when you go there, as I did in 2018, you feel the the energy. And and if the Palestinians don't pursue their cause the same way that we are pursuing our cause, indigenous people— then they will end up like Indians on reservations. So mm-hmm. we as Native people need to take note and stand up and sing loud and clear from the hilltops uh, Palestinian liberation, sing the cause for Palestinian liberation and for a ceasefire. It doesn't mean that we're anti-Semitic. It doesn't mean that we're anti-Jewish. It just means that we're anti-oppression.
0: Chase, thanks for starting us off. Nick, I want to bring you in now. And uh, Native Americans have expressed solidarity with Palestine in the past. There are others, though, that see a kinship with Israel's fight to establish a sovereign nation and its ongoing fight against pervasive anti-Semitism. And there's certainly no question that Jews have experienced genocide and generational trauma in the way that we as Native people have. Do you see any room now? Nick, to support.
7: Excuse me, do I see any room to support what?
0: Any room to support uh, Israel right now during the current crisis. Did you, were you able to hear my whole question? Yeah, I heard
7: the whole question. Thank you. Okay, great. I just didn't hear that last part of it. I'm going to speak to this both as a Lakota and I'm going to speak to this as a Jew. Some of the listeners out there might not know, my grandfather, Ken Tilson, was Jewish and he was one of the original lawyers for the American Indian Movement, whenever the American Indian Movement was first getting started on the streets of Minneapolis. So in this particular issue, I can speak to this both as a Lakota and a Jew. And my answer to that question is that I don't think there is any room for that. I don't think there is any room when a genocide is happening as we speak. When every single day people are being murdered and killed because they are Palestinian. And that the Israeli government, don't let the media fool you. This has nothing to do with Jews and Palestinians. Israeli government, is a settler colonial state and the, and it's entirely supported by taxpaying dollars from the United States of America 3.4 billion dollars a year from taxpayers in the United States go to the Israeli government mm-hmm. 99.7% of that money goes directly to the Israeli military. So when you click on the news, for everybody who's listening out there, when you you click on the news and watch the news, and you watch the plight of the Palestinian people, that blood of the Palestinian people is on the hands of the United States. Because we are not just complicit with what's happening there. We, the United States, is directly responsible for an act of genocide happening in Gaza right now, so there's not room, there's not room for political debate at a time when babies are being killed, when innocent people are being killed. Because, but Nick, it's fair rate. to say
0: that there are babies being killed on both sides, and innocent people being killed on both sides, and that's what makes this conflict so difficult to decipher and so polarizing. I'm also gonna
7: call it exactly what it is. What's happening is a US funded genocide happening in Gaza. You can sit here and debate back and forth about how many people being killed on this side or how many people being killed on this side. There is an active genocide and the United States government is directly and complicitly responsible for what's happening there. Because mm-hmm. the Israeli government is responsible for what's going on there.
0: Well, you have a point there, Nick, and uh, we can think of the, the, the investment that the United States has with the, uh, Israel, and you, you mentioned the figure. We can think of that as reparations, and yet you think of how much the United States spends to fund federal Native American programs, uh, it's a pittance compared to the amount that you just shared with, uh, that's being spent with Israel, and most of it going to the military, as you mentioned. We're going to have to take a short break, but uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk more with Nick. We're going to talk more with Chase, as well as our other guests, about this ongoing crisis, uh, the Hamas-Israeli conflict occurring as we speak uh, in other parts of the world. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. would sure like to get folks calling in today with questions, with comments, with thoughts, anything you want to share about this conflict. 1-800-996-2848. Parades and powwows are gearing up to honor Native American veterans around the country. We'll celebrate Native military service and assess some of the ways Native veterans are included or left out when it comes to understanding cultural traditions. That's on the next Native America Calling.
5: Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org.
0: You're listening to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Today we're focusing on indigenous perspectives of the Israel-Hamas war. Join this conversation by calling in at 1-800-996-2848. What parallels do you see between the current conflict and the history of Native peoples here in the U.S.? Are any leaders in your Native community being vocal about the news? We're also at 1-800-99-NATIVE. got Nick Tilson on the line. He's in Washington, D.C. He's the CEO of Indian Collective. And Nick, I know that Indian Collective is calling for an end to this war, but at this point, neither side is expressing any interest in working toward that yet. Uh, What are you folks doing to uh, work towards that end, to seeing an end to this conflict?
7: Thank you for the question. Well, one, this weekend, um, Indian Collective had an honor in marching with over 300,000 people, and one of the biggest marches in history of Palestinian solidarity in the United States, and bringing awareness to the issue, calling for a ceasefire. There has been advocacy group after advocacy group, including Indian Collective, meeting with members of Congress, uh, being vocal about this issue, expressing the dualities of the struggle of indigenous people in the United States with the struggle of the Palestinian people and bringing awareness to this, you know, because I think that one of the challenges that exists with Zionism is that the narrative behind it blinds what's right in front of us. The fact that there can be an act of genocide happening, but yet we're going to sit here and have political debates about it. So we've been pushing the narrative, we've been marching and showing solidarity with our Palestinian brothers and sisters, and we've been praying for the innocent people that have been killed, innocent Palestinians that have been killed and Jews that have been killed too. And we call for a ceasefire because we believe that it's aligned with our values of being indigenous. Because in every indigenous language in the world, there's a saying that we are all related. And in Lakota, it's Oyase. So in this moment, in this time in history, we have to be centered in the very values that ground us. And so we have been showing um, solidarity, marching in the streets, writing letters, pushing the narrative, talking to the media. And we've been doing so you know, even though it's not the most popular thing to do. Um, just like If anybody tried to denounce the massacre at Wounded Knee back in 1890, when the United States government called that a battle, when in fact it was a massacre, it wouldn't be a popular thing. So we're standing up and letting people know to have the courage to speak truth to power and be on the right side of history.
0: All right, Nick, really appreciate you joining us. I wanna bring Riley Yesno in now. She's in Toronto, Ontario. And Riley, as an Anishinaabe woman, is there anything in your culture that offers guidance on how to view the current Israel-Palestine crisis?
8: Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been finding a lot of, of guidance and solace in like the teachings that I've received throughout my life. And one of them, firstly, being that given that I recognize that what is happening right now, um, as Nick just, you know, thoroughly explained, is, is a genocide happening um, is that it's incumbent on me to, uh, speak to that, to um, rise up and, and give whatever capacity I have, um, that like the seven grandfather teachings that I follow um, include things like bravery and truth and and courage. And so I see this as fundamentally um, a part of that. Um, but also further, I think like in terms of, of, of looking at what um, the future looks like for um all of these all of our people and all nations and um one of the things that you mentioned is that yes of course um uh jews have experienced a genocide continue to face harm and 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 horrible anti-semitism um but that similarly to the way you know uh we indigenous people on turtle island have that like uh experiencing a genocide um and is not you know uh then the way that we get to Uh, perpetuate genocide in return. And I I think about um, a lot of my studies these days with um, uh, the Land Back movement. So um, I I draw a lot on Nick's work actually for that. But is that um, a lot of people, one of the first pieces of of pushback I get when I talk about it is this idea that, you know, um, us fighting for sovereignty somehow means that we will displace and um, harm and basically do unto uh, non-Indigenous people what was done to us when in fact, um, that is, 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 you know, so not the case. And so I think that there um, is a solution and that Palestinians have been advocating also um, for uh, solutions that don't require, you know, then the eradication of of a Jewish people in the region. Absolutely not. Um, and that I, I hold on to those sort of teachings, both um, traditionally and also ones that I've I've come to know um, through my activism and through my studies, to to show me that there is you know futures beyond this harm.
0: Thank you, Riley. I'm going to go ahead and take some calls now. First up is Shell, listening in Fort Hall, Idaho on KISU. Good morning, Shell. How are you?
6: Michelle, yeah, I'm almost. Uh, Sean, good morning. Yeah, uh, to me, I I don't think this war is going to end. You know, like you know, Israel, the 12 tribes, the Benjaminites and the Levites and all those uh, ancient Hebrews, uh, you know, descendants, ancient Hebrews. Uh, there's Turkey, and then there's Lebanon, and then there's Iran and Iraq, and then there's Saudi Arabia and Egypt. And then, you know, like, it's it's going to escalate, I believe, you know, until, until you know, something happens it's going to go worldwide you know with these uh the philippines and the taiwanese and all of them you know it's
5: just going to be it's going to escalate that's that's the way i look at it
0: appreciate that call shell listening on kisu up in fort hall let's next go to rain who is listening online in deer springs arizona good morning rain hi sean how are you Ren?
9: Um, I am good this morning. Um, I mean aside from everything that's happening in Palestine, I just wanted to respond to a comment you made a while ago that children that it could be argued that children are being killed on both sides of the so-called conflict. I say so-called because one group is a nuclear power, Israel and the other one is or has been isolated from the world by Israel by a land air and sea since 2007. And after the October 7th Hamas attack, Israeli media platformed a claim that Hamas militants decapitated at least 40 children. They claimed to have said photos or photos of said children. However, a few days later, it came out that those claims were unverified and that there was no photographic evidence of the bodies as initially claimed. Joe Biden repeated these claims and eventually had to retract them because they were proven to be unverified. Um, and you can even go on social media and like see video after video of children suffering of dying by the, um, the bombs that Israel is dropping, bombs provided by the U.S., mind you. And on that flip side, you can see Israelis going to brunch, going to raves, um, making kitschy TikToks. Um, it really just is not equal, and I don't think that having a both-sides approach to this is helpful at all.
0: Rain, I really appreciate those comments, very much so. And, you know, I want to go ahead and let our our other guest here respond, Dr. Boaz Atsealy. Again, he's an associate professor at the School of International Service. And Boaz, uh, again, I really appreciate you joining the show. And uh, what Rain says is um, there's apparently, uh, she says there's evidence that there aren't children, that there haven't been Palestinian uh, or Israeli children killed or killed on both sides, Palestinian and Israeli. And I want your perspective here, because you have family members who have been killed and also taken hostage by Hamas. Can you respond to what Rain just said?
10: Yeah, uh, just to correct, I I don't have family members who have been killed, uh, but I have uh, my cousin and his wife uh, are a hostage of the Hamas at this moment. And uh, so, first of all, regardless of whether they were beheaded or not, there were many children killed by Hamas. Uh, there were uh, about 1,400 people killed on, on that day, uh, October 7, just uh, a month ago. And uh, the vast majority of them uh, citizens. Uh, by the way, not only Jewish uh, Israelis, uh, Muslim Israelis as well, uh, uh, foreigners, uh, Thai, Nepali, uh, other foreigners as well. Uh, anybody who they met. So I uh, that does not negate the the suffering of the Palestinian people in Gaza. But I'm just saying that uh, to to pretend as if it's You know, there was maybe a few casualties on the other on the Israeli side. Uh, That's completely uh, uh, not true. And uh, like, just imagine uh, what if uh, tomorrow, uh, you know, uh, 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 armed people will uh, branch into your in your community and 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 kill 1,400 people in one day. and many of them killed brutally and, and, and there were cases of, of uh, rape uh, of uh, uh, body mutilation etc um, th- so I... one, one thing I want one thing I want to say is that i I do uh, support ceasefire uh, right now if possible because the um, more innocent people being killed, it uh, doesn't help anybody uh, and in my perspective the the may that the greatest problem here is that we are uh, the discussion always is uh, pro-israel or pro-palestine where i consider myself pro-israel and pro-palestine and i think we gotta to start to talk about pro-peace
0: well thank you Boaz, because in polarizing situations like this, people pick sides, they get passionate, they get fired up. What's your perspective for someone who might be listening to the show right now, and they're not particularly knowledgeable on the history of Israel and Palestine? They don't understand the deep seated nature of this conflict. How does that person come to an understanding of who's right and who's wrong in this crisis?
10: Uh, again, I don't see this as as one side is right and one side is wrong. Uh, it's sort of like to get to the question of colonialism that was mentioned before. The main difference here is, yeah, there were some uh, uh, some of the you know initial uh, Zionist uh, immigrants to to uh, Palestine uh, that had uh, some sort of colonial ideas, like it was common in Europe at the time. But it's a very different uh, situation, not only because they're sort of like returning to their ancestral land, as was mentioned before, but because these were not sent by any uh, any government or any state. These are basically refugees that they were seeking to uh, to create a land in which they can be a uh, safe and that uh that uh that goal was kind of uh, okay. uh met uh, with a uh, with the palestinian people that were living there and that's kind of like the root of the of the issue is that there are two people uh, right now there are actually more Jew- jews than uh than palestinian muslim or, or christian that are living in palestine there are two people that live there and i think that the, the four issues to realize uh, that there are two people that live there and they have to learn to live either side by side or together with each other. Uh, and before both sides kind of okay. accept this reality, uh, there's not going to be peace.
0: Bo, as I have another question for you. We're hearing the word genocide used a lot on our show today. Do you feel that that is an accurate context? This, this current crisis is an accurate context with which to use the word Genocide.
10: Uh, I I don't think it is because for it to be genocide, it has to be according to like accepted uh, definitions of genocide. there has to be a uh, intent on the part of the perpetrators to physically destroy a national, uh, ethnic,al racial or religious group. Uh, and I think that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is. A, uh, a an attack of by Israel on uh, that aims at destroying the infrastructure and the, the fighters of the Hamas. and uh, Israel uh, because especially because of the like the, the brutal nature of this October 7 attack, basically put uh, any uh, doesn't have any inhibition uh, in how it does it does so, and in a like crowded and and a, uh, urban setting like uh, like Gaza, uh, that means that there's a lot of people killed, a lot of uh, civilian killed as well. Uh, also, Hamas built all their they have like tunnels all uh, under the under the city and their headquarters in places like hospitals and mosques, So that makes mm-hmm. it even more uh, hard for Israel to, to get to that goal without killing a lot of people. Uh, as I say, I, I think that's, that the price is way too high in, in, in innocent people and it should be uh, stopped. Uh, hopefully, uh, in return for return of the for the 240 uh, Israeli uh, hostages right now. Uh, but uh, I also want to kind of point to other cases of uh, of genocide in the uh, that we had in the uh, like, uh, not so long past in uh, Rwanda and in Darfur. If you look at the numbers, the numbers are way, way, way higher than what we see in Gaza. And I'm not saying that we justified the, the like more than 100 uh, killed in Gaza, which is horrible. Uh, but uh, I think uh, calling it a genocide, I think it, it is a mistake because because there's no intention to wipe out the Palestinian people here.
0: Boaz, thank you for your clarification. We're going to have to take another short break. When we come back, we've got more callers on the line that we're going to take. And we're also going to talk more with our guests about this ongoing crisis. Israel and Hamas. uh, Definitely, definitely a polarizing topic that we're covering today here on Native America Calling. Uh, very, very intense, very intense. And we've got a wide range of perspectives on our show today, and that's what we strive to do here at Native America Calling. We want to hear both sides of the issue, and uh, that's what we're doing. We're going to give you folks a balanced perspective on what this means and uh, give you information and uh, help you come to your own conclusion with regard to uh, what this issue means for us as Native people. Take a short break. Stay with us. We're going to be right back.
5: Support for journalism that raises the awareness of child well-being to citizens and to policymakers provided by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, building a brighter future for children, families, and communities. Information at AECF.org. Lakota-made indigenous first medicines and eco-friendly personal care products are small batch prepared in the Lakota traditions using sustainably harvested natural and organic ingredients, and all can be found at LakotaMade.com who support this show. Standing at the crossroads, trying to flag it right. Lord, I'm standing at the crossroads, trying to flag it right.
6: Nobody seemed to know me, everybody passed me by.
0: You're tuned in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking today with Native folks about their views on the Israel-Hamas war. Do you draw similarities between Indigenous history and Israel-Palestine relations? Let's take some calls. Katie up first, listening on KUNM in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hello, Katie.
4: Hello.
11: I was born in the—I'm Jewish, and I was born— in the first and second generation after the Holocaust. And what I learned is that after World War II, after the Holocaust, the European Jews who survived needed a place to call home. You know, they'd survived the concentration camp. And the United Nations and the British government created what we now call Israel, there were 700,000 Palestinians living on that sliver of land at the time, and they suddenly lost their home. They they became refugees. So that piece of the conflict, which really goes back 5,000 years, um, is now, you know, we could say say 65 years old. A lot of the people who founded Israel were also Hol- Holocaust survivors and i should also say before that time palestinians and uh, muslims christians jews were living together in some ways peaceably and but then when it became a jewish state conflicts festered and the holocaust survivors who arrived had they were so wounded from surviving concentration camps and from having families totally destroyed, nobody had a map for healing after surviving a concentration camp. And what what I'm trying to get to is that it, it took, in my experience, it, 40 years passed after the war before people began to talk about healing from surviving the Holocaust. And already many wars had happened in Israel. Instead of looking at this as a, these people are right, these people are wrong, in, instead of looking at the situation in that context, I think if we hear the stories from each person and say, how did you get to this place where you would be you know, killing 10,000 people or mm-hmm. you would— 1400 people um like what's what we need to hear those stories and i think we each need to take responsibility for our part instead of saying i'm on this side i'm on that side because as someone said we're all going for peace here how do we get to peace
0: katie you really appreciate that call listening in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Let's take Madeline, who is also listening to KUNM in Albuquerque. Hi, Madeline.
12: Hi. Um, Katie stated so much so beautifully, I'll I'll be really succinct. My great-uncle and his wife were refugees from a concentration camp, ended up in Israel. Why did they end up there? Because Europe didn't want to deal with them. So... The European antisemitism, which is definitely exported to the United States and is very, very deeply rooted in that culture, um, is has not been eradicated by the state of Israel. You know, I know my parents' generation felt, you know, Israel would be a, it gave them an anchor, a feeling of safety. Okay, they're here. And all my generations from great-uncle, you know, they're gone. I have no ancestry left, you know, that way. Um, And, you know, nothing's left from from that family, um, those families. But any rate, I think Mm -hmm. that's all I want to say is that a lot of the Jews that came were traumatized and had no other choice.
0: Madeline, how do you feel about the, the word genocide being used in the current crisis? Well...
12: I thought it was okay to use. I mean cuz I no I'm ceasefire. I'm for the ceasefire. It's got to stop. It's terrible. The right wing that's controlling Israel right now is for genocide as far as I'm concerned. That's that it's not their stated goal, but you know, uh, <laughs> there have been statements made that, you know, when they're uncovered, it's that, yeah, let's get rid of them.
0: Appreciate your call, Madeline. Let's take Heather, listening online in Saskatchewan, Canada. Good morning, Heather.
3: Good morning. Um, I'm just happy to be here to talk to y'all. So I do a lot of work in Canada around Indigenous rights, and um, I've traveled to Palestine with an organization called Eyewitness Palestine several times. And I think, you know, that was a really good experience because it showed me like all the settler colonial tactics that are being used by the Israeli state on Palestinian people, like administrative detentions. There are children that are incarcerated, and there are so many Palestinians that are incarcerated by the Israeli state without charges for immeasurable time um, and also without any justice. You know, I, I, I think what was so difficult about being there is that it really activated our our memory of genocide that happened here in North America because it was a genocide. Like, I come from Canada, and they'll say that it was cultural genocide, like genocide light, but that's not reality. And I think, like, my frustration with a lot of this is that I know for a fact that Canada was instrumental in creating the political atmosphere and advocating for the Nakba in 1948, Canada isn't innocent in this. And I think that that's what really irks me is that I see Jewish people saying never again, but also as an Indigenous person, I'm saying never again because this happened to us. And when I went there, it was really emotional to see the genocide in live time. And that was during arguably a peaceful time. And I think I feel so challenged by this idea of peace Because Canada argues that it's a peaceful state. Yet, like, it's okay for serial killers to murder our people and put them in a landfill. It's okay for to have so many of our people go missing and murdered. Canada is an active colonial state. It has been. It was. And it continues to be. And it continues to support Israel. You know, Canada often get covered by the cloth of U.S. imperialism and it can hide that it's just a little brother of the U.S. We're not doing anything bad. But Canada was directly responsible for the genocide in Rwanda that one of your callers talked about earlier. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the thing that's so frustrating is that there are so many countries, not just Israel, that are responsible for this. And I think my frustration is that I don't want to see it happen again. And I think, like, to say, well, Hamas is digging tunnels Hamas is doing this. I think doesn't recognize the fact that this has been seventy-five years of ongoing right. settler colonial violence, right? And right. I think like people really need to understand like that's not good enough reasoning to kill ten thousand people and injure thirty-two hundred more. I mean, fifty percent of those are kids. Like okay. that's what we're responsible for, right? And I just as Heather... in indigenous people, like I can't, I can't be okay with that.
0: Right, right. No, Heather, really appreciate your call. And you, uh, this is a really, really good take. I I really appreciate you calling in today and and giving us some perspective from from the Canadian side of it, from the First Nations side of it. I want to go back to Chase Iron Eyes now. And Chase, what are you hearing in terms of tribal leaders and and official representatives of tribal nations here in the U.S.? Are they speaking out one way or the other on this current Israeli-Hamas conflict?
6: Um, I've been looking for that, and I can't seem to find it either in the National Congress of American Indians, or maybe up in Canada, the Assembly of First Nations, or you know any a, a tribal leader, an elected tribal leader. I don't know, and I'm not I'm not able to say in a blanket way that they're not saying anything, but I understand why people are hesitant. For one, when when you come from the res... You don't, we're not, we don't learn about the Israeli-Palestine conflict. We, we just kind of inherit some of the, 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 the tropes about anti-blackness and even anti-Arabic sentiment. Now, my older brother and my good bro from high school and so forth, they went and killed Arab people. Not, not, I don't know about them specifically, but the members of the United States military so they carry this this trauma, and and it comes from President George George Bush, and even before that, his father, in Operation Desert Desert Storm, and and then to follow, you know, Desert Shield, and then Iraqi Freedom. But we should be asking ourselves: tribal leaders, elected leaders, the big organizations that are the most representative, and so forth, should be asking, who's getting paid from? all of the, mun- the munitions, is it Raytheon, is it Boeing, is it the RAND Corporation, is it Northrop Grumman, and, and how many of those arms and munitions suppliers and purveyors are buying advertising space at the National Indian Gaming Association conventions? I mean, we have to start asking those questions because the Palestinian people are being slaughtered. I'm not, I don't want to sit here and argue about, is it technically genocide? Should You know, even when I condemned Hamas for the killing of women and children and non-combatants, then a bunch of people jumped on my back and said, why are you criticizing? Who are you to criticize how an occupied oppressed nation, quote unquote, defends itself? So, you know, it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situations. But we should ask ourselves, who is benefiting from the drilling in, in the outside the Gaza Strip? Who is drilling for minerals? oil, gas, and resources there? Why is Dick Cheney in Syria? Why is Helle Burton in Syria? And why are we expected to, to, to engage there? And so we should be asking ourselves, why are we in an endless state of war and conflict and start figuring out how to stop that endless war and conflict? Because we keep signing up for their militaries and we keep going to die as the poor, oppressed, working-class people for the rich capitalized class in, in the globe. So I think we, we definitely should be asking why tribal leaders are not speaking out.
0: All right, Chase. Thank you. Let's take another caller, Sonny, who is listening online in Sacramento, California. Good morning, Sonny.
4: one more.
0: How are you, Sonny? What's your take Can you hear here? me okay? Yep. We can hear you loud and clear.
4: Oh, thank you. Okay, so I would like to say that the genocide discussion, there really isn't a back and forth about it, because what they are doing is genocide, um, as defined under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide. Uh, they're also breaching Geneva Conventions uh, and their additional protocols on the conduct of armed conflict. and. The only reason that this hasn't been really addressed by the U.N. and why it seems like they're doing nothing is because um, the United States is a a member of the U.N. Security Council. And Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to add that. But I also wanted to suggest that this is such a pressing issue that uh, I'd like to see if the show could – make this a regular feature each week.
0: Hmm. Okay. Sonny, that's definitely something for us to think about here at Native America Calling. Really appreciate that suggestion, that idea. I want to go back now to Nick and uh... Boy, we've covered a lot of ground here, Nick. I'm actually really pleased with this show today and the perspectives that we've shared. And where are you at right now in terms of uh, your thoughts, your comments, and and what else do you want to add to our conversation as we begin to wrap down the show in the next couple of minutes?
7: Yeah, I mentioned this earlier, you know, that both one side of my family is Jewish and one side of my family is Lakota. And something that happens in the Jewish tradition um, during Passover is there's a time when the, the, young, the young people and the children sit in a circle and they're able to ask the elders questions about our history and our culture and that as, an, as a nine-year-old boy I sat there and uh and I asked my my grandfather Ken Tilson I said I know what it means to be Lakota we have land we have language we have ceremonies you know was raised up in that way what does it mean to be Jewish and he said something to me that day that stuck, that stays with me to this very day. He said, at different points throughout history, Jewish people have survived oppression and persecution. And because they're survivors of oppression and persecution, that we have a responsibility to stand in solidarity with those that are being oppressed today. And the act of doing that is at the heart of being Jewish. And so when I think about that, a part of the core identity of being Jewish is founded in social justice, that in this moment, there actually is a real genocide happening. Schools are being bombed. Hospitals are being bombed. Churches are being bombed. 10,790 people have been killed as of today. 3,200 people injured, a million refugees. Men are being rounded up in these camps. Men and women are being rounded up and removed from these camps. People stolen from their families. We're aware of what that's like living in this country. So there's a moment in time that we have to stand up here. And I do call upon tribal leaders throughout this country and indigenous people throughout this country, because the only reason why the United States has money and resources to send to Israel to commit genocide is because they derive those resources from the stealing of our lands right here in this country. And the extraction of the resources from our lands right here in this country. So we have a responsibility to hold the mirror up, to be in solidarity, to call for peace, and we will have to exceed all of our own expectations in order to stop a genocide.
0: Well, with that, uh, folks, we are out of time now for this conversation for today's show. Really appreciate all of our guests who joined us to weigh in, Boaz Atsili, Riley Yesno, Chase Iron Eyes, and Nick Tilson, and of course, all of the great callers who joined the conversation as well. Thank you. Tune in to NAC again tomorrow for a celebration of Native veterans and an assessment of Native military service. Thanks again for listening, and have a safe rest of your day.
5: Native American-made gifts at Ho-Chunk, Inc.'s Sweetgrass Trading Co. include food, beauty, and wellness items from across Turtle Island. Christmas delivery available for orders placed by December 18th at SweetgrassTradingCo.com. Ho-Chunk, Inc. supports this show. Tush, support by Ramona Farms. For over 40 years, Ramona's American Indian Foods has revived tepary beans, panoli, traditional wheat flowers, and more. Delivery for your holiday gatherings, available on orders placed at store.ramonafarms.com. How me talk, Keep your family healthy and strong. Open enrollment for Medicare in the marketplaces here. Make sure you and your loved ones are covered. For more information, contact your Indian health care provider, visit healthcare.gov, or call 1 800 318 A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Oh.